Hello and welcome to the Mindful Chats podcast. I'm your host, Dara Torres, and on this podcast, I share my own personal stories and advice regarding mindset and mental health. I talk about what's benefited me over the years and my life, as well as talking to lots of wonderful people who want to share their own stories and talk about what has helped them on their journey. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Mindful Chats podcast. We've got a great guest with us today. We've got Rachel Rain and Rachel helps women gain financial freedom, step away from things that are no longer serving them and she's been on her own personal journey as well that's led her to this point. She's on a sobriety journey. She's got so much to share with us today and this is going to be a great episode so let's get into it. Hi Rachel. Hello. My name is Rachel. I'm from South Manchester in the UK um, and I am currently on a phase of my life like you are um, of sobriety and my world finally opening up and being able to do things that I've wanted to do for literally five to ten years that I've never been able to do before because I have the time and my head is clear and I'm sleeping better and my relationships are also getting better as well. So we've kind of wanted to come on here um, and have a chat and just let you know about what I've been doing and how it's changed my world and hopefully it can inspire people to change theirs as well. It's it's so inspiring whenever you see somebody that has gone sober and just how much it does change your life. And I don't think, see when people hear about like others going sober, they think, oh, that sounds really boring. Like my life would be so boring once once I go sober. Yeah, you're like, you, I think until you actually go sober, you can't even explain to people you know, how how much their life does change. And you touched on, you know, relationships getting stronger and doing things you never thought you could do. And, you know, we'll go into all of that because they're all such good subjects. And like, there is, there is a reason for that. And I do believe that. But like, I would love to hear about, you know, why you decided to go sober because you know that that is a big decision to make you know no people don't just wake up and be like I don't really want to drink anymore or well maybe some people do but I know I definitely didn't <laughs> no no um it's to be honest with you it was a combination of a few things so there's a bit of a kind of an emotional reason which will we will I do want to touch on today to raise awareness of it um but my mum was a heavy al- alcoholic um my teenagers were completely destroyed um by that I hadn't seen her for 11 years before she died and then when she did die I being the eldest in the family had to then sort everything out so um and she died of alcoholic ketoacidosis which is a a basically a ketone buildup so there's too much acid in your body and you basically die of malnutrition so she wouldn't have known that she was passing away she will have felt like she was dehydrated like she had food poisoning but it can just put you into a coma where you just don't wake up ever again um but that was you know heavy drinking um for 20 plus years then when i think about how long i've been drinking for i'm 34 so i stopped drinking three months ago um at the beginning of the 2023 and i was like god i had my first drink at 14 and I did. I got drunk for the first time at 14. I was like, shit, I've been drinking for 20 years. And I don't just drink a little bit. Like when I go out, I will, I can easily drink two bottles of wine, you know, on a Friday night, just because yeah, I could drink a bottle of wine on a Monday night whilst I'm cooking and then go to sleep and wake up fine. And when you actually sit back and think 20 years is a long time and she died because of heavy drinking for over 20 years. So I was like, 
that that was one of the reasons and it's something that I've always she I mean she passed away five years ago it was it was a horrific time and I feel like I I started drinking more and more since she's passed away and I don't it's ironic really because really I should have gone the opposite way <laughs> um but I feel like because of all the years of trauma suppression that I had from that experience that I had when I was a child and in my 20s all I've done ever since the last day I saw her which was oddly my 18th birthday she walked out the door and never came back um and all through my 20s all I did was want to prove myself to somebody so I went to university I went to join the military I got myself a pilot's license I bought my first house at 25 years old so I wanted to all I've ever done is try to prove a point instead of actually looking after me so there was a yeah the point of the whole I realized I've been drinking for 20 years I'd also like say after since the pandemic and since she's passed away I've drank more and more and more and I don't know whether it's because of an anxiety thing or a depression thing or just suppressing feelings which were interesting Mother's Day's just passed and I normally drink myself to sleep on Mother's Day in the 17th of August which is her anniversary and I've done that for years to hide my feelings whereas this year I actually had to sit there and like deal with it which was really hard but yeah so there's a number of reasons that that was kind of what the the main one is that obviously my mother um you know drinking herself to death at 55 which again is only 20 years more than me um right now um and it's something I've always wanted to do and I've never thought I could do it because you get this FOMO and you're you probably felt this as well um and it's funny really because you feel like you've missed out on life now all of those years that I drank because now I've achieved so much in three months like more than I've done in the past seven years but the fear of going sober ironically is that you don't actually want to miss out but actually you end up you you realize that you've actually missed out more by drinking all that time um so yeah number of reasons fear um you know mother being an alcoholic and then um we had a a loss of a, a only a five and a half week pregnancy in a, at the end of November and I, I fully blame it on my lifestyle and yeah by December I just went into complete downward spiral um I wasn't coming home I was going out with people that I didn't really care about just because I didn't want to come home um I just wanted to drink and drink and drink and it was like you know six o'clock in the morning eight o'clock in the morning over Christmas over my boyfriend's birthday I didn't come home till 6 a.m and I kind of sat back at the end of December and I was like who am I (laughs) like this is not me and I've realized that this whole Jekyll and Hyde and I feel that maybe a lot of people do realize this and I see it now when people are drinking around me I'm like that's not you you know, you're you're talking like someone else here, and you. I don't like that person now that I'm the one that isn't drinking. It's like everyone has these two personas: the sober one and the alcoholic one. And whether you've had four drinks or twelve, people change, and it's uh, it's never ever for the better. You feel like it is at the time because you're sat around a table and everyone's having a laugh and you're chatting away and everyone, you know, the champagne's flowing and all the rest of it. But actually it's not who you are and it scared me so I just kind of I woke up and I took a photograph of myself on um New Year's Eve New Year's Day about 4am before I went to bed and every time I want to drink I look at it because I look like hell (laughs) it's horrible wow so that that is so much for 
anybody to go through as well you know I've never lost a parent I can't even imagine how painful that must be especially with you know your mum your mum dealing with alcoholism and, and drinking for so long and you know it you said as well like the irony that that made you drink more even though that's you know obviously what led to her death um it, it's just it's this thing of using alcohol as a coping mechanism and you know I'm so so sorry to hear about your miscarriage and you know I I had a miscarriage when I was younger too so like I I I understand that feeling of like but it wasn't it wasn't that far along it's it doesn't matter it's see whenever you find out you're pregnant it 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 is like you know your pain is so valid in that sense and you know, it sounds like you went through a similar thing there of, you know, drinking a lot more after that as well. And it sounds like you, you came to the realization that you were, you know, drinking to, to deal with feelings. And that is so relatable for so many drinkers. And like, that was the main reason I gave up. And it's the main reason so many other people gave up as well. It's because you realize that instead of feeling things, you're just numbing them. And then you, you never actually learn to deal with them. And they build up and they build up and they build up and it, it leads to you know for me it led to like breakdowns you know and I was like why does this keep happening like the more you drink you realize that your mental health starts going downwards and downwards and downwards even though like you're drinking to deal with the stress you're like but I'm actually more stressed now you know you're drinking so you don't miss out but like I feel the exact same way in the sense I'm like all those all those plans that you know you ended up staying out way later than you meant to and you didn't do the things you said you wanted to do the next day you know that all builds up too and it ruins it ruins you get so annoyed at yourself and I think like you get to a point where you're just sick of yourself and you're like right um, I, I can't do this to myself anymore. And it's that pit of self-loathing, isn't it? And self-loathe is the most one of the most dangerous forms of it's self-hate. And like no one should hate themselves. You know, it, it's no one on this earth should. And I mean, you know, shit will happen to you. Life will throw you curveballs. Like no one's life is perfect. You know, people you know, could look at you and I now and go, God, their lives are so brilliant. Look what they're doing on Instagram and they're doing these this podcast and she's sober and she's doing this business and doing really well. But no one knows what I've just told you there. Like it's not happened overnight. You know, these you you have to learn to be able to be in control of the shit that's thrown to you because it will get thrown at you at every single angle of your life. Like it it's never ending. But if you like you know I and every you know everyone I know and most people on this earth if there's every occasion for a drink someone's died oh I'll have a drink oh I've had a shit day at work oh I'll have a drink oh someone's birthday let's have a drink a baby's been born let's have a drink it's there's there's an excuse <laughs> around every single corner for someone to crack open a bottle and I don't know what the alter you know I'm not, what is the alternative you know is drink the non-alcoholic version great it's I'm that's one thing I am struggling with is that celebration time I mean celebration time for me now and I'm only three months in you're only what three four months in um when something happy is happening or something sad is happening like now what do you mean I at the amount of tea that I've drunk I've probably nearly drunk Yorkshire tea out of business these past three months because every time something <laughs> happens I'm like I'm gonna put the kettle on <laughs> instead mm-hmm. of having a bottle of beer yeah. I'll have a brew <laughs> um but that kind of celebration mindset or what's the I suppose what's the other word you can use you know I'm sorry mindset 
do you, do you have to replace that with something? I don't know. I've not. I've got got that far. You know, it, mm. conversations and building relationships. Yes. What do you then go out and do and kind of celebrate with instead? Um, no, I can't yeah. remember those maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you've just proved that. I think um, the hardest the for for me, I'm sure you're the exact same. And it sounds like you you have like how inspiring is it? Like you you must be so proud of yourself to think that on Mother's Day when you were feeling that sad, you didn't drink when you were feeling all these emotions you didn't drink and that is what sobriety is about for me it's whenever I feel shit whenever I feel down sometimes I'm like it would be so easy to just drink a bottle of wine and just forget about it but it's actually so much harder to sit with those feelings and think right I need to feel this I need to process this but that is how you heal and that's like that's why you know, people that go on these sobriety journeys, they do healing that they've been putting off for for years. Like I, I'm doing healing now that I have not felt since I was a child. And that's what made me give up drinking because towards the end, so much was coming up when I was drunk. And I realized I was like, I have so much healing to do. And I yeah. am not allowing myself to actually feel it. And when you take the alcohol away, you're left with the feelings and you have to deal with them and you have to find healthy coping mechanisms yeah no and I completely agree with you I mean from what can be from what you just said there you think you kind of hit the nail on the head you have to deal with it and if you don't and perhaps do what my mum did for those last you know 15 20 years of her life where she clearly wasn't happy but didn't tell anybody didn't want to talk about it everything was everyone else's fault she was full you know, victim mentality. It's never her fault. Nothing that happened in the family was anything to do with her. It was all our fault, all my dad's fault. You know, it's this, it's this mentality that people are in where people think that everyone else should feel sorry for them. And like, I don't want people to feel sorry for me. I don't ever want people to feel sorry for me. Go, oh, it's really sad. You know, you didn't, you know, you've not got a mother anymore. It's like, well, I never had one. So you can't miss something that you've never had but people don't know that I don't want to then go in to explain the story about why that's not okay so this victim mentality that people mm-hmm. tend to kind of live in thrives off hiding those feelings and masking them with alcohol with drugs with weed or whatever it is that you do as your kind of what they call maybe coping mechanisms but it's a dangerous coping mechanism so trying to mm-hmm. there's a direct link here and I, which I did kind of want to talk about with this kind of victim mentality and um, coping mechanisms where I've been listening a lot recently, um, I don't know whether you're the same, to a lot of law of attraction stuff, manifestation things, and I always used to call it, you know, the woo-woos, um, which I think a lot of people do, but actually as, 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 as a kind of an engineering mind that I've got, I need to know the logic and the science behind things to actually understand it. So someone turns around to me and says, do 10 affirmations before you wake up in the morning. I'll be like, why? What on earth is that for? Um, whereas now I understand why and the science behind it, I do that every day before I get out of bed. And what that has helped me do, because I don't have that coping mechanism of alcohol, is it changes your mindset and it pulls you out of that victim mentality. So when, for example, when it got to Mother's Day and I was kind of sat there 
and I was driving to go see my grandma, who has been my mother, of my actual mother for since I was a teenager. She's an incredible woman, but she's got dementia right now. And I find it hard to see her anyway. So I was driving to go to her house to go and see her. And my auntie was there and I got out of the car and I was like, full face of tears, breathing heavy. I was like, I can't go in. This is too hard. And obviously my mum is my auntie's sister. So she, knew she's, she was feeling the same thing. Um, and I kind of sat back before I went into grandma's house and I was like, deal with it it's happened you have to learn to take control of the situations because I don't have I can't go in and just neck a glass of sherry like I normally want to out of grandma's fridge I had to stand outside the back door compose myself and go the positive in this is that grandma is still here that mum is in a better place because she obviously wasn't happy no one around her was happy so this isn't sad this is a celebration it's mother's day you know so I kind of had to sit with this mindset and manifestation and kind of sit with myself and go, no, you're not a victim. This has happened to you. It's up to you to control it because no one else is going to control it for you. And I walked in and I didn't cry again until I got home. But either way, with, with grandma, I was fine and I was strong for her. Um, so it's, it, yeah, the, the whole coping mechanism. And I, do I feel better for sitting at the back door and having that conversation with myself instead of necking a glass of sherry? Yes, I do. Was it easy at the time? Fuck, it wasn't. <laughs> but you've got to do it. And it's you're right, it's, it's healing. And I've been wanting to heal from this trauma, well, since I was 18 years old, and I've never actually known how. Um, and, yeah, here I am. <laughs> well, nobody nobody teaches you. Nobody, like, I grew up in Ireland, and in Ireland you don't talk about your mental health. That's a taboo subject. We We're all grand. We all just get on with it. Um, we all just drink, like have a drink, you'll be grand, get on with it. You know, I wasn't taught like, oh, actually, maybe don't drink, maybe that won't help you solve the problem. You know, we're not really taught how they deal with these emotions. We're just not, they don't teach you in school. Nobody can teach you. And I think you realize that whenever you do give up alcohol and like, well done, like that situation must have been so tough. And again, like in that situation, you probably convinced yourself that it would have been so much easier if you had have just had a drink, but you let yourself feel those emotions. And it's, it's almost like we're scared to feel how we really feel, but like, oh no, I, I can't be upset. I can't be stressed. I just need to have a glass of wine and I'll feel all right again. It's like, no, you're allowed to be sad. You're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to be stressed. You're allowed to be angry. You know, you're allowed to feel and feel in your feeling how you feel and talking about it is the most helpful thing you can do to yeah. heal. I mean, you've just mentioned there about where you're obviously growing up in Ireland and not, you know, suppressing feelings seems to be the norm. Is that something for me? I've got my asking for a reason because I've got a statistic here that will will probably actually makes sense now um is it kind of a generation above you that from like you know parents for example mm -hmm. that were saying and teachers for example saying that you know you can't be sad you have to you know pick yourself back up get on the horse kind of thing and, and get on with it yes absolutely yeah. um I grew up like in Ireland I remember even mentioning that I was seeing a counsellor when I was at school in front of like one of my dad's friends and he shot me a look like don't talk about that like that's private we don't talk about it and you know my dad's a lot better now um my dad like I've had open conversations about mental health with my dad and you know that's been a very personal thing for me recently I actually called him up and started crying and I was like I have ADHD and I didn't know how to tell you because it's something I've been dealing with with the doctor and I expected him to be like no you don't why what are you talking about 
but he actually was like you can talk about this with me and I just couldn't believe it because for so long I always felt like I cannot talk about mental health with my family I just can't wow what a stepping what a milestone though that that Mm. is incredible good for him as well because that's these the, the generation above us and I can say it about me you know, my dad's exactly the same you know I've, I've got depression oh you've not got depression it'd be ridiculous oh okay well this has happened I'll just get up with it and get on with it she's not here anymore you know it, it's that it's that kind of mentality but uh, there's some statistics that I pulled out about alcoholism because I do th- feel like it is a really important subject and people perhaps don't realize how common it is but the highest number of deaths and the highest number of hospital admissions in the UK between well from 2018 until now have been men aged 50 to 65 Mm. now I do you feel like there's a little because I feel like there's a little bit of a link there because our generation above has obviously been taught by their generation above that you can't talk about your feelings you have to suppress everything you don't have problems just get up and get on with it and as you and I well know alcohol is a quite a common coping mechanism so for that stage above us, those those people that are in kind of 50 to 65, they're the ones that are having the major issues with alcohol, like right now. And the younger generations, you know, between 19 and 24, according to the NHS and a couple of other, you know, drink aware, etc., um, are drinking less and less, which makes me so happy mm. <laughs> because we're waking up to it. But that's so sad mm-hmm. that, that that's, that's what they've been taught. So it's up to us. I feel now to kind of inspire and teach the younger generation that, you know, the, the ages of, I'm not going to work it out here, the age of 25 to 34, kind of the biggest binge drinkers, but they're the most important years of your life. You know, this is where you're building your foundations, you're building, you know, businesses or careers or families. And if that's the biggest binge drinking age, you know, it's, it is a concern and raising awareness of this now, albeit we're both very early in this journey is, I just think invaluable and just so important. It really is. Mm. It, it, there has been a massive shift and I'm definitely noticing it now. And you probably notice it as well coming online and in the amount of young people, the amount of people that like reach out to you as well. And I was just like, Oh my God, like more people are, are starting to actually not think sobriety is weird. They're actually starting to understand that it's not just like being the boring one at the pub. Like it's, it's so much more than that. And people like whenever I was sober curious, I remember listening to podcasts and reading like the unexpected joy of being sober and thinking, Oh my God, it's not just me. It's not like there are other people that feel this way. Like everybody else hates themselves when they drink it's not just me like it it like I thought I was so alone like I think you blame yourself for the effect alcohol has on you um you have this you know mentality of maybe if I just had a few drinks and I think at at a certain point like obviously you realized and I realized I was like nah it's just alcohol (laughs) yeah it's just it is in my for me it was a confidence booster so I've always been the one that likes to kind of sit in the corner. Whenever we go to a restaurant, my boyfriend will always make sure that we're sat in the corner of the room or, you know, I've just been on a hen party. That's my worst nightmare. You know, having a wedding and all the attention being on me, worst nightmare. I'm not, I come across as a very confident person, but in, actually it's because I'm normally mostly drunk. And on a serious note, like when I'm out socialising, I've got a few drinks in me. So I do come across as being super confident but actually I'm not (laughs) and so there's a lot of it that I used I used to drink you know for that reason 
and you know like you say there's a lot of people that are kind of waking up to it and I think social media has gone through a shift recently I mean five to six years ago I mean, I do still think part of it is a very dangerous place for young people. Very dangerous indeed. Um, but I think for the old, or say the older generation, we're only in our mid-30s, you're only in your late 20s. But we've been, I've been, you know, I've been on social media for, well, since what, 2007. Um, and it's gone through many shifts. And I feel like the past few years, and probably post-pandemic, it's a much more positive space. So you can see through you know, the bullshit accounts where people are like, oh, my life is always perfect and this is what my body looks like 24-7 because then you have people coming out going, yeah, I, I can stand in the mirror and I look great. But if I'm sat down slumping like I am right now, I don't look very good. And I feel like there's this massive shift and people, what that has done, thankfully, is enabled people to be more honest on social media and obviously, in our case, we're the ones that are then, you know, shifted toward the sobriety side. So when people, you know, maybe say five to ten years ago were going, oh, my life's amazing. They'd have bottles of champagne everywhere and they'd be out till five o'clock in the morning posting pictures of them in clubs, like falling all over. And that was what they thought people wanted to see. And nowadays, it's people you know, sat at home or sat in a pub drinking a Heineken Zero or, you know, drinking a, you know, alcohol-free cocktail in a very nice fancy restaurant or do what I do and drink ginger beer out of a champagne flute with a meal so that I feel like I'm having something fancy. Um, But what I feel is so positive about social media now is that we are able to influence in a, a realistic light. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Because we think that we have to go, oh, life is only brilliant because I can afford a £100 bottle of Bollinger every time I go out. Yeah, that's what I used to do. But now I don't. And that's also okay. And people now realising that that is okay and it's a good thing. And that is a, a huge positive, I think, recently that has kind of come out of sharing what we're sharing right now. Mm -hmm. it's so refreshing and it's so like I've definitely found that like I I hung out with a lot of like YouTubers back in the day I've been in content creation for 10 years I used to be a YouTuber I used to like um, be friends with a lot of like big influencers and like that that whole um, like getting to know those people kind of shattered everything for me because I was like oh my god this is all so fake I hate it and that led to a really toxic relationship with social media for me but since coming back on and talking about mental health and deciding to like follow people you know that maybe were more open about mental health or more real online I've noticed there's just such a shift in people showing like like you said showing what their bodies actually look like instead of and like this can relate to drinking as well like like you said they don't show the whole picture of the night out there's been so many times I've posted photos with my friends on Facebook and it was the start of the night but that night was like one of the worst nights of my life or something that happened really something really awful happened when I was drunk and you know I look back and that and I thought oh my god that night was a mess but like all anybody ever sees is the is the sparkly photos with the drinks exactly. and looking happy they don't see that whole picture and I think you're right like showing that whole picture just it speaks to you because you're like oh my god it's not just me oh my god this is normal yeah and like I say you, you mentioned about being sober curious as well and I've I've been doing this for well probably been sober curious for about it's not been that long I'm probably going to say about six to eight months when we first decided we were going to try and for a family um and there's two people and I do want to give them a bit of a shout out and I am going to send them this because one of them doesn't even know I exist it's a gentleman a guy called Tom Curl that lives 
um, in Cheshire near me, and he's a he's a very big business owner, and he owns a number of very high flying restaurants. Drive around the Rolls Royce, you know. He's he's, he's he, do, he seems like a very genuine guy, and I, I I can't remember how I found him. I think he just popped up on someone's stories, and I was like, oh okay, he's got businesses and that's always what I wanted to be able to do is to get out of the corporate rut and run my own business but like you mentioned before you'll have all these ideas to do all this planning of and on the weekend but then someone will go oh it's Friday when I come to the pub and then four o'clock in the morning comes and then my whole of my Saturday is completely destroyed so this whole sober curiosity thing I found fascinating even like six to eight months ago because I was like this guy doesn't drink like we went to a wedding and didn't have an alcoholic beverage. I was like, how boring. And I was, you know, exactly what people think now about me going on a hen do and not having a drink like I just did at the weekend. And I slowly started following and I was like, oh, he's up at seven on a Sunday morning. He's already been to the gym and he's already made X amount of money. Oh, okay. Well, that must work for him. And then there's a couple of other people who live around here, you know, kind of soap stars, etc. that were then going on, you know, morning runs on a Sunday and a Saturday morning. And I was like, oh, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday morning runs. Are you having a laugh? And they, But they've been out the night before. and But they were just posting pictures of, you know, Bex Blue or, you know, a ginger beer or what have you. And I was like, oh, you can still have a life and still get up early on a Saturday and a Sunday and make money in a business that you're running and do exercise. And it was this weird, like, you already know this, don't you? That everyone knows it deep down. But like we keep saying during the, you know this podcast, you don't. You have to relate to somebody. I I did anyway. I don't know about you, but I had to be convinced by someone that I didn't that doesn't even know I exist to go. Oh, you can have it all. <laughs> you know, I can. I have not stopped going to parties. I've not stopped going to the pub. I was in the pub last night. You know, on a Wednesday because my boyfriend got some good news from work, um, and I just drank a couple of ginger beers and a fizzy water, and everyone else drank beer, and I'm fine with that. So my lifestyle hasn't changed like I thought it was going to. But you have to make that step. But yeah, the sober curiosity thing on Instagram is is what led me and pushed me to do it. So from a positivity perspective, social media, for once, has actually been a, been a positive effect because then you start following other people. And there was another girl, again, Steph, I'll, I'm going to send this to you when we're done with this. Um, she's someone a bit like me who I thought, I mean, I didn't know her too well, but we have been out a couple of times. But where I used to live, where she lives, everyone was out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday you know you were just drinking 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 all the time um there was never an occasion to go out you know birthdays meant nothing because it was just another Wednesday kind of thing um and I think when you when you see people that you know and can relate to that you know have drank before and if they can do it I was like well if she can do it why can't I and that's what tipped me over the edge in the in the December um so if you are sober curious and you're listening to this right now then you know hopefully between the two of us we can inspire <laughs> that it is okay and you can still enjoy your life. can have everything instead of having half of it which is what i had before I'd spend my weekends in bed wake up on monday and be like shit i've got to go back to this job that i hate i've not achieved any of the business ideas and brainstorming that i wanted to do to start this new business and here we go again another week of my life wasted 
Mm, I think that's the thing. You just you just continuously like let yourself down, especially like if you do have those plans and you're not seeing them through. And like you're right in what you say. You see other people doing it, but I think it's it's having that wee belief in yourself that you know maybe I can do that too. And I think just going sober and realizing, oh, actually, this this hungover like this hangover free weekend things there actually might be something to this maybe I'll do it again and you know just taking it a, a day at a time and re- like starting to realize these things for yourself and how it benefits you and you know you've said your, yourself that you you can still go out and have a have a great time and your social life's still great and like you said you went on a, a sober Hindu and you know like what was that like I went in my first sober Hindu recently and I remember being so so nervous for it because I was like this is like the big the big test Hell yeah <laughs> um do you know it, which was really nice there was a girl there um whose mum again died of alcoholism but she hers was quite recent and she did stop drinking immediately um a couple of years ago so i had have had her as a bit of support and it helped massively um and my best friend who i went with um alicia she doesn't really drink that much anyway and i feel like she what i didn't want her to do or anyone to do was to feel bad for drinking in front of me. Like I went vegetarian donkeys years ago and I'm not asked if you eat a steak in front of me. I just won't eat one myself. But people do still go, oh, do you mind if I order this off the menu? And it's like, yeah, it's my decision not to eat meat, not yours. So there was a bit of that as, oh, shall I have a glass of champagne at four o'clock in the morning? Yeah, you order yourself a glass of champagne, girl. That's what you want. So yeah, Alicia was super supportive. She hardly drank anything, which was really nice. Um, And obviously this other girl, Laura, she was really, really lovely. and it was nice to talk openly without having any influence. Obviously, on a Hindu, well, people, you're just drinking all day long, aren't you? Mm. Um, and it wasn't, you know, the airport at the beginning was all right. I just had two very large matches from Starbucks to fill me up, so I didn't feel bad. Um, we got there, and then kind of the first day was kind of very much well alcohol based and it will be you know and that, that's absolutely fine. Um, but I had a couple of alcohol free beers, ate some ate some nice food. Um, went for some nice walks, had a little bit of a nap in the afternoon. Um, and it was when I woke up from the nap, because we'd have been awake since like two, three o'clock in the morning for the flight. That's when I found it really hard when everyone was getting ready, having a drink, putting the makeup on, going into the other room to play the little hen party games. And everyone's like, oh, then there was drinking games. So everyone take a sip if you've ever done this kind of thing. And I'm there with my alcohol-free fizz. But I was like, there's actually no point me sipping, like sipping every time because you're doing it to get an effect and I'm not getting any. So it took me about half an hour to realise that I didn't actually need to drink every time um, for that. And that was probably the hardest bit. And I almost caved. But the only reason I almost caved is because I was anxious. Because I was like, everyone, it's late. It's 10 o'clock at night. We're going out at 11 to a club. It's like, I'm 35. I'm normally in bed now at that time. Um, And I think it was the anxiety of not drinking and being amongst non-drinking to people who were drinking that made me want to have a drink and that's the first time in three months and I kind of said to Alicia I was like I could drink a glass of wine right now and she was like do you want one so she said the right thing to me and I was like no I don't so I took myself away I went and stood outside and I just sat with my stood again stood with my feelings had a conversation with myself went back in and I was okay I was just a bit quiet and maybe not as lively as what I normally was but that was like you probably you had it was the first big test um 
And then once I'd done that, I went, you know, we went out, Alicia and me and this other girl, Laura, came back at about half, well, that's about two o'clock in the morning. We did pretty well. Um, got ourselves some chips on the way home, went to bed, woke up fresh at 10 o'clock the next day and everyone else got in at about a five. And did I feel like I missed out? I don't feel like I missed out at all. And this is the main fear that I think, well, I had and that I'm sure everyone who's listening to this that is sober curious right now, that you panic and think, oh, well, I don't want to feel like I'm missing out on a hen do, but you're not. Because what I've realised is from the amount of times that we've been sat in our back garden in the summer, you know, until three, four o'clock in the morning, just chatting shit to each other, I've realised I don't have a better time after, say, 11 o'clock midnight. But that, that time between 11 to midnight and maybe 3 to 4 a.m., I'm not having a better time than I had at 8 p.m. I'm not having a better time at 4 p.m. or 4 a.m. than I had at 10 p.m. It's just prolonging the conversation because you're like, you're, you feel like you're having a nice time because you're connecting with people, whereas actually you're just having the same conversation over and over and over again. And I realised that after a certain time, I don't have a better time than what I did a few hours before. And when that realisation came into my mind, I was like, that's why it's okay for me to go home early. Oh, absolutely. Like, I like especially what you said about like the night not actually getting better I think this is such a good point as well and like I don't know why people don't see alcohol as an addictive substance whenever it is such an addictive substance it's like the reason you keep drinking is because it changes your brain and it makes you crave more like it's not that you know you're there's something wrong with you that you can't put down the bottle it's because that's what it that's what it does to your brain like you you stay out far too late and nights out because you want more of that of that substance and especially if you are struggling with any sort of like mental health issues like alcohol produces dopamine and like when you drink alcohol in that moment it makes you feel good so you just keep doing it and and then it just has the complete opposite effect obviously afterwards and it's horrendous for your mental health but you know it, it it's there's a reason that alcohol makes us feel so so awful but we still go back to it and it's because it's addictive it, it is addictive we're addicted to that height and you've just proved that like that feeling after the Hindu, though, as, as uncomfortable as it might have been for you at times, like not being hungover, you must have been like, this is what it's all about. That feeling I don't think will ever go away. And this, like I said, the other girl, Laura, who's not had a drink for two years, she was like, she still smiles on a Sunday morning massively because she's like, I feel great. I don't feel like crap on a Sunday morning and I can get up and I've got all this time to actually live my life now. Um, but I don't think that, I mean, I've not really been thinking about it too much recently. Obviously I did on the Hindu, but at the moment I'm just, it's, I've taken it off the table if that, if that kind of makes sense. So I was, I was listening to a podcast with Spencer Matthews and I never knew who he was until um, I, I think a friend, they might've been Alicia actually um, had mentioned his, he'd gone sober and he's got this company called Cleanco and he did an episode with Dr Alex George you know he does his stomp cast so we'll listen to that on the way down um south to see family a, a couple of I think it was mid-January when I was right at the beginning of this and I was like I'd just been to Paris with my friends and I was drinking you know Red Bull out of a champagne flute in front of the Eiffel Tower and I'd got so emotional because I was only two weeks in and I was like 
you can do this. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't sad emotion. It was fuck. I'm doing it. It's too. I've not I've not had a drink for two weeks since I was 18. You know, and I'm now 34. And I listened to this podcast anyway, and he um and he basically said the easy way for him that he managed to deal with situations like on the Hindu when you are surrounded by people who are drinking is that for me I have taken it off the table so it just doesn't exist it's not an option anymore so if you know someone if someone else orders a beer I will order a beer I'll just make sure it's a non-alcoholic version because alcoholic versions of beer now are not or do not exist to me they're they're not available to me they don't I can't buy them. I can't consume them. So once you've taken that option off the table, and the same thing will work in relationships, with food, with many aspects of your life, I believe. Um, But I've just taken it off the table. And that makes it easier. Plus looking at the state of my face on that on New Year's Day as well. Um, it also helps so I've got that pinned <laughs> in my photograph I just got so emotional listening to you say that like you stood in front of the Eiffel Tower you had your wee Red Bull and you just got really emotional because see unless alcohol has like impacted your life the way it has ours whenever you've used alcohol as a coping mechanism for so long whenever you've not allowed yourself to feel your feelings like like you just have these wee moments of gratitude for your sobriety. And like, I had like the exact, like the morning after that Hindu, I just sat and had a wee private cry to myself. And the same thing, it wasn't a sad cry. I was just like, I am so fucking proud of myself. I never, ever in a million years thought that I could go somewhere and be so anxious and just deal with it. And like, there's so much pride in yourself and it, you you just learn to like be like you just end up being so so proud of yourself and like yeah you just gave me goosebumps when you said that because that's such a like sober one isn't it it's like that gratitude massively and when it's something that you've wanted to do for so long like I'm getting emotional now when you want to do something for so long and it's impacted so much like it, alcohol has been a, a negative thing in my life since I was nine ten years old um when you actually like I don't know get the bat and bat it away um it's that's a long time like how long's that for me since alcohol has been I've been influenced in my life so that's what probably 14 to 15 no 25 years that's over half of my life and I've managed to like I say it'll be it's literally it's been three months but it's time-wise, I feel like I've gained. I've done more in three months than I've done in seven years, like five to seven years to ten years, like literally more in three months. And it's it's madness. But you you have to, you do have these moments of, and I'm not one for blowing my own trumpet or saying well done or, God on you, Rachel, well done for doing this. You know, it's not. It isn't something I've ever done because I've always been focused on helping everybody else. Um, and making sure everyone else around me and that just comes from that that's a the trauma mechanism of making sure everyone else is okay around you because you didn't feel like you were okay and, I, and I'm aware of that but actually having made 
this year the year of Rachel my one of my friends that I went to Paris with Tamsin she uh, they're all you know her and Alicia are always you know let's get a photograph here let's get a photograph there and I don't like being in photographs don't like having my photograph taken whenever we go on our trips together there's a lot of pictures gorgeous pictures there and I'm just in the background you know, with my double chin and looking like look because I just don't care and I'm just like I really don't want my photograph taken and she said something to me because again there was only two weeks in and she was like get up on that plinth in front of the Louvre Museum and she was like we're having a good photo shoot with you she was like this year is the year of Rachel and I was like fuck yeah yes yeah should be the year of Rachel because every other year of my life has been the year of everybody else and it's not been the year of me and I just I, just, I keep going back to her saying that to me and I'll be eternally grateful because when I feel like I'm having that moment where I I'm, I feel like I'm not saying well done me or I'm again going back to concentrating on it, what everyone else is doing instead of concentrating on me I'll just I keep going back to what she said to me that second week of January and I'm like no do what you want to do stop doing everything to please everybody else because you're gonna wake up well like I have woken up you know five seven ten years later and actually what have I achieved fuck all I've, I've helped other people and I've done things for everybody else and I've not actually done anything for myself for years so yeah we've we've got to we've got to say well done to ourselves you know we should we should be proud mm, and you should but you should be proud as well like your story um even even before you even came on this podcast you obviously told me you know give me a, a rough estimate of what we were going to be talking about and straight away I was just like wow like that's so brave so inspiring and you know to go through all that and a be like do you know what I'm gonna feel it I'm gonna take away that thing that's not allowing me to heal I'm going to completely change my life you know you you started a business to help other people create freedom in their in their lives because you realized it was possible for yourself and you know like that that is so so powerful and it is using your struggles to help other people and you know I'm, I'm so happy for you that you finally decided to, to look inwards and be like, right, I've given so much of myself to everybody else. Now it's time to give back to myself. And there's nothing selfish about that. You know, that is that is so, so important. And I think so many of us don't do that. We, we burn ourselves to the ground trying to help other people. And we're, we're struggling ourselves. And it sounds like like the year of Rachel, I absolutely love that. I'm all for that. Um, and yeah, yeah, I'm I'm so proud of you even just listening to you just now. Yeah, no, it's it's good, and we, and we should. And I feel like what I want to do now, and what I am doing is there's a another kind of direct link that I realised to binge drinking. Um, and I can guarantee that there'll be a lot of people listening to this will go, oh yeah, and I never realised it until maybe kind of back end of last year before what happened happened where if you're in you know a stressful corporate career because you're always chasing more money you know we're in we're coming up to you know are we coming up to a session who, who knows um you know, there's a cost of living crisis which I just find ridiculous um you know people are struggling everywhere so you're working out of a lot of people are going to work out of fear and I was working out of fear. So when I started this, I also just had a rant on my Instagram stories this morning because of this. Um, I moved jobs <clears throat> last May 
from something I'd done for many years, although I only originally started doing it as something to pass the time whilst I was joining the forces, which didn't work out. Um, but I was good at it and I stuck to it. And then obviously relationship broke down, mum died, went into a downward spiral. I stayed in that, I stayed in that role. So I moved, it was in the same industry, but it was in software instead last year. And I thought I was moving to somewhere that was less toxic because they were offering for me, you know, to take my dog to work. I could work from home three days a week. You know, we've got a fridge full of beers for a Friday afternoon kind of thing. We'll buy you lunch, all this and that. And you go, oh, this is what people think that they want nowadays. So I thought I was moving for a good reason. Um, and it was very quickly became clear that because I wasn't worshipping and bowing down to the owners like everyone else was, which I just find bizarre because it's not my business, it's yours. You know, you employ me to do a job, I do the job well, but I'm not going to stay for an extra hour after work and I'm not going to... Everyone's got the different way of working, but I feel like when it's someone else's business, do what you need to do to get by. You know, if you want to stay there for 15, 20 years, then great, but that's not why I was there. It didn't stop me from doing a good job. So I quickly started to realise that the actual place I was in behind the amazing modern workplace benefits um was actually a very toxic place you know I had a, a, my boss whenever I asked for help and support she, you know she'd laugh at me and basically tell me I should be grateful and like the others that you know we've got this job and you can work from home three days a week and you can bring your dog to work and it was like this bribery so I feel like my drinking when it started getting bad was because of this job and I, lo I liked my job before and I did drink at the weekend but it wasn't to as excess as it, it was since last May and I'm sure there'll be a lot of people in the same situations which is that these are the people that I want to help bring out of this space now because you you are working out of fear because you feel like you need the money you need to stay if you lose your job what on earth are you going to do you know and people pick the safe route they pick the safe job but that isn't their own business because they feel like it's a safe thing to do whereas actually I lost my job and I had to leave within two weeks so it isn't safe, is it, really? You know, it, it's it's what society tells us that we have to go in and do and go work for somewhere else, crawl up the ladder, you know, maybe work five years to get an extra £2,000 pay rise. You know, it's £100 a month, for God's sake. It's 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 nothing and you work so hard for it. So anyway, this, this correlation between, you know, the toxic workplace and binge drinking at weekends. So I'd get to Friday on my last meeting of the day and I'd go and open a beer or open a bottle of wine and then I'd drink. And then you'd then carry that on to Saturday because something was going on. And then that's normal Saturday events. It happens everywhere it'll be someone's birthday or you'll be going out for a meal somewhere. So you'll have a drink. But then it'll get to Sunday and you're like, fuck, I've got to go back to work on Monday morning. And you really don't want to go. So I'd carry on drinking <laughs> or I'd just stay awake for as long as possible on Saturday night because I wanted to sleep all day on Sunday to forget the fact that I had to go back to work on Monday. And this, And then the cycle starts again. You go to work on Monday, you go, oh, but then you feel even worse because you've drank all weekend and done whatever else it is you do when you drink. Um, and then it gets to Friday and you've had an even worse week. So you have another drink. And this ongoing five to seven day cycle, which is, you know, it's toxic work culture, toxic employee culture and toxic binge drinking culture. And I personally believe because I can see it in people you know that may perhaps that I know and that other people are you know they know they know everyone does it 
you know, you, you work five days a week and it gets to Friday. Oh, I've had a great week. Let's go and have a drink. Oh, I've had a crap week. I need a drink. It goes back to that celebratory or, you know, sad mindset that makes you drink more. Um, but it will make you feel more like shit. And then what I realised when I came across this opportunity of this business that I'm now in, it was, I thought it was later than this, but I looked and it was the end of July. And I was like, I'd love to, I want to do this. I want to create freedom for me. I want to be able to work from a laptop anywhere in the world. I want to be able to earn, you know, the 10 to 50 grand a month that the other people in this business are earning after one to five years. You know, it's not a quick fix. You've got to work at it. It's not going to make you 10 grand a month after six months. Well, work might do, but it's rare. Um, but I was like, oh, do I want to be stuck in this cycle for another 30 years I'm 34. The retirement age is going to be over 70 by the time we come to retire. Do I want to work for someone else for 30 more years of my life and be in this cycle? Hell no. I want to be out traveling. I want to be able to take my family away, you know, and go on a road trip to America for two months and just take my laptop with me. You know, there's it's 2023. It's not the 1990s anymore. There's so many, as you know, there's so many ways to make money online and and there's business, there's companies out there like the one that I work with that promote, you know, what they call true health. And it's, you know, physical health with the products that we that we sell, which are all water based. So it's something that everyone's always going to need. Um, true financial health. So the plan that comes with it is very abundant um, and because you can't have true mental health. The third one, if you're ever worrying about money, finances or your physical health. So that's how that's how it works. And. I wanted to invest in this business and kind of get on and do it for four months, perhaps, before I actually did. And every single weekend I went, I'll watch that 30 minute web class. I'll watch this. I don't have time. You know, did I have 30 minutes every weekend? Of course I did. Just turn the bloody television off for half an hour earlier or, you know don't have that extra drink drink half an hour later perhaps and I made this time excuse up for months and I was like what am I doing and it, you know, it, it got to a point and this is another reason why I decided to quit at the beginning of this year because I ended up investing in it did my business setup calls got into the community and I'm in all these telegram chats and you know, we've had conferences where we all meet up with each other and people fly in from all over the world. You know, we've got people that live in Cambodia that are building animal shelters for dogs, people living in Australia that are building mental health homes for people. And like they're using their time freedom and their financial freedom to do good in the world because they're able to do that instead of being tied to a desk working for someone else for 40 hours a week and then just drinking at the weekend because you hate your life so much. Um, and that's, that's, that's one of the other reasons. And that's kept me sober so there is definitely a correlation between binge drinking and your work culture wherever it is that you work if you if, you, if you're not happy with in it or you feel like you're working through fear of not having money which is a really bad money mindset to be in um and then like i say on the other side to be able to stay sober you i personally needed something that was worth more than having a drink at the weekend and me building a life and helping other people now build a life of freedom for their families and their futures is worth more than having that glass of wine and I, you know when you kind of suddenly realize why you put on this earth to help and I've always wanted to help I've just never known how so if this is how I can do it and how I can help people um then 
globally changed lives. We're on the internet now, you know, anyone in the world can come in and do this with us. Um, it's an incredible place to be if you're in the positive space, which I think is a very important message to send out. That's so inspiring to so many people as well, because like you are the perfect example of like, I think people see someone you know working for themselves and doing all these things and they maybe have this like preconception of like oh well that's fine if you've got like loads of money or that's fine if you know all these things but it's like no (laughs) like you figure that out it's more down to taking that leap of faith and trusting in yourself and trusting in your ability and actually just being like this doesn't make me happy what will make me happy and going for it just really really going for it and always looking forward and like you you're loving proof of that and that's so inspiring you know your your mission now to help other people and how you've transformed your life and all these positive changes that you've made in your life you know I think anybody who listens to this episode is is going to be really inspired by that um I know I know I am like I I think it's absolutely incredible what you've done and like thank you so much for coming on and like sharing your story today I'm I'm so grateful for having you on. Uh, this has been a really good chat. Thank you for being so open about, you know, everything that you've spoken about today. That was really, really brave. And I think like we don't say this enough, like op- openly speaking about mental health and our struggles online is not easy, but it does help others. And opening that conversation is so important because it makes other people realize that they're not alone. No. And you know, no one is alone. And if there's any, you know, your Instagram DMs are open, mine are always open. And you know, if anyone is ever struggling with death, with addiction, with, you know, like toxic work culture, there's so many links that everyone has something, you know, no one's, no matter how perfect someone says someone's life is, it isn't. And if it's that one tiny little thing that you're worried about talking about, that's holding you back to creating whatever life that you dream of and everyone is given the same resources you know opportunities are open open to people it's just how you control that and how you bring that in and it's most of it will all be based on fear and if you are fearful and you are feeling like I can't do that I can't speak on social media stories for real I sat for half an hour in a room with a camera and I couldn't even open my mouth for 30 minutes. And I was sat there pissing myself, laughing, going, just, just, just talk. <laughs> There's no one here. And lit- after the first, the second, probably the second time doing it, fine. And that release, it's like a journal. You might feel the same. When you're on the phone to somebody, you have them on the other end, don't you? Or when it's texting, it's not the same. This is why voice notes. I was never a voice noter. My friend used to do it all the time. I'm like, for Christ's sake, stop voice noting me but actually it's good for a brain dump to kind of let it out and if what you're dumping can have value to other people and help one person out of the thousands of people that are watching it then that's all that we're on this earth to do is just to help each other grow and heal and you know if that's what we can help then let's let's do that thank you so much rachel um if you want to hear more from rachel i will have all her links down below definitely check her out and I'm sure you'll you'll be open to anybody sending you any questions as well through, you know, your Instagram or, you know, any other links. Uh, thank you so much for coming on today. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. 
If you've been listening to my podcast, you will know that I feel very passionately about being able to create a safe space where we can talk openly about mental health online and open the conversation to help others. If you're enjoying the content that I share and you find it helpful and you would like to contribute towards my platforms, you can contribute a donation of your own selected amount towards the work that I do through buymeacoffee.com slash I appreciate every donation that I get and it does go towards funding my platform so that I can continue to make content about mental health so that we can help others open the conversation and keep this space safe and open so that we can talk freely about mental health. If you'd like to contribute towards my platforms, the link for my Buy Me A Coffee page will also be in the show notes. It's buymeacoffee.com slash Therese and you can contribute there. Thank you so much for listening and if you'd like to contact me in any way, you can find me on all socials at Therese, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening.